at Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. Hello, everybody. Before we start the podcast, this is EJ here. I just want to make a, just a quick announcement. Um, if you are subscribing to this podcast in anything other than iTunes, just ignore what I'm about to say. If you're subscribe, subscribing in iTunes, you've probably noticed uh, that there are two feeds for the It's About the Money podcast in iTunes. That was my mistake. I did something stupid a while back. And now I'm just going to fix that. So uh, in about two weeks, after two more episodes, what I'm going to do is I'm going to delete one of those feeds. I'm going to delete the smaller feed. Uh, here's how you know if you're in both, if you're in the correct feed. If you go to your to the, the iTunes page of what you're descri- uh, subscribing to, if it's, if it's the one with 14 reviews, that means you're in the right page. If it's the one with one review, that's the one I'm going to delete. Um, so just just you know, be aware. It'll be really easy to resubscribe. And if uh, two weeks from now you don't see an episode come up, uh, then you should probably just go search on iTunes and resubscribe. Thank you very much. And we're now going to get to the, the regular scheduled podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 101 of the It's About the Money Stupid Podcast. My name is EJ Fagan. Tonight I am joined by Dr. Paul Semendinger. How are you, everybody? Paul, thank you for joining us. And I'm also joined by Andy Singer. Hey, guys. How's it going? You guys, it's uh, it's great. Haven't talked to both of you guys, especially Andy, in a long time. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. to be here, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and you know, I, I feel like I feel like the Yankees are 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 doing pretty well right now. The Yankees, they we've got a three game lead on the wild card. We're beating up on the Mets. Still can't really beat the Red Sox, but that's a whole a whole nother thing. Um, have you guys have you guys been watching Chapman lately? Have you watched the last couple of, his last couple of appearances? I mean, unfortunately, I think all of us have been watching Chapman, and that's been a palm to the forehead for I think most Yankee fans for at least the last couple of weeks. So it's so, not all season. <laughs> the game, the game where he gave up the home run to Devers or Devers or whatever, right? However you say his, you say his name, a uh, guy who I'm going to be really annoyed with for like seven more years. Um, yeah, uh, that first inning that he was in, he looked awesome. Like like the first like two and a half batters, he's throwing 103. He's on the corners. You know, I'm saying, hey, I think the the old Chapman's back. And then he gives up a home run to to to, to, Dever, to Devers, which is, I mean, it was a good pitch. I think Devers just kind of just kind of beat him there. I mean, did, was it just me, or was, did he look like he's he was he was good? No, he was good. Yeah, I got to be honest with you. I think that Chapman looked good. The problem is when you throw a hundred three and you've got a guy as talented as Devers at the plate. It, the ball did catch some of the plate, and Devers managed to barrel it up and barrel up a hundred three mile per hour fastball at Yankee Stadium, and it's going to go. Yeah, you know, I, I and I forgive him for the inning after that. Because he's you know he was going he's, his pitch count was getting up there and he's not really someone who pitches two innings all that often um, and obviously had the terrible game what was it two nights later and so there's still something wrong with Chapman but God we were we were close to 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 hopefully getting it getting it fixed Chapman uh, he's basically off tonight he's he's uh, he's unavailable and but not yet on the DL um, which sounds like the Yankees are kind of just giving him a breather. 
Um, so, Paul, I'll ask you first. What what should the Yankees do about Chapman at this point? Well, he's obviously not the best relief pitcher. He's probably not even one of the best three or four relief pitchers on the staff. And, again, I think that hamstring injury the other day gives the Yankees a nice little opportunity to sit him down and not have to worry about it, and they have a nice excuse for not pitching him. Um, if it were me, I would t- give him a break from being the closer, and, and I would use somebody like uh, David Robertson or uh, Batanzas. Those guys are doing the job. I'm going to nail you and down. The which of the two would you make the closer? Oh, if it were me, it would be uh, David Robertson. I'm, I've always been a big fan. Andy, what do you And he's good. Uh, I love David Robertson. I think I have a different opinion, though. Particularly looking at the his pitch usage thus far this season, Chapman's actually a different guy than he's been in years past. Uh, previously, Chapman was known as a three-pitch pitcher out of the bullpen, and this year he's really been heavily reliant on his fastball, number one. But number two, his changeups almost disappeared, particularly during uh, the course of his struggles. And to me, that shows a guy who isn't really confident in his stuff right now. So I think, number one, the Yankees, uh, to Paul's point, I think they do need to get him in some lower leverage situations just to let him iron out the kinks but beyond that i think he's got to figure out his pitch mix just a little bit better i think you saw that the other night when he struggled when he went down with the hamstring injury uh he was using a lot more of his slider than his fastball than he had in previous outings but i think he's got to bring that change up back particularly considering that when you look at his pitch scores via fan graphs he his change up is a really good pitch for him and it's not necessarily a distant third so why not do that on the disabled list That's a really good question, particularly considering the bullpen that the Yankees have right now. I think what the Yankees are worried about is the fact that they, at the moment, they've got multiple injuries to the starting rotation. Most of their guys aren't going terribly deep, and to have every bullpen arm on staff is probably a benefit at this time. Paul, do you think they should consider the the bullpen option? Maybe am I I the only person here who thinks they they should they should totally DL him? Oh, you yeah. If he's not injured, I'm I'm not in favor of putting him on the disabled list. I think he is injured. Uh, the way he was hobbling on that on that leg, and the Yankees are known to seem to sit on injuries for a couple of days before they finally go, "Oh yeah, he's hurt." So, like, I I, I think I I think kind of what you're saying, you know, the Yankees have a fairly high threshold for when they think that somebody should be put on the disabled list, um, or, or can have that, that high threshold. And I just see no reason to have a high threshold with Chapman right now. Like, I get it. Like, yes, you're, and you're correct that it, we need to have lots of relievers in this bullpen. But the Yankees have a lot of spare capacity right now. Adam Warren, who pitched two innings last night, has like like five appearances in August. Uh, and Adam Warren has been really good this season. I mean, he has a 1.73 ERA. He's got really strong peripherals. Like, the, like, there's no reason that Adam Warren should be pitching basically zero or like, you know, very low leverage innings. Um, and then, and that's just Adam Warren, right? I mean, that you're, you've also got, you know, not just Robertson and Batances and Conley, but you've got Chad Green, um, and you know, you could hopefully have you know some production out of the Brian Mitchells and Caleb Smiths of the world. I just don't think there's a lot to lose here. I mean, if if Chapman isn't pitching well, then you know there's six guys who are better than him, and and you don't need that low leverage guy in the bullpen. Caleb Smith can be Aroldis Chapman out of the bullpen, uh, or you know, in middle in middle in the middle or early innings. Um, and you can, you know, you can put Chapman down in, in, in you know, uh, on the DL, give him some time off, and then give him a week in the minors to say get your changeup back. 
No, actually, just to clarify, EJ, I 100% agree with you. I was sort of dishing out what I felt was the Yankees' okay, opinion okay. on a DL stint for Chapman. However, I do agree with you. I think this bullpen's stacked. I think Warren doesn't get enough due. I think people are starting to realize what a good season Chad Green is having. So I think it does make a lot of sense to give Chapman a stint on the DL, particularly considering the way his stuff looked the other night. I think it was pretty obvious that something was going on throughout that outing. Uh, I know that he came up hobbling at the at the very last pitch. However, I think it was pretty clear that something was going on before that because his slider wasn't sharp and he was leaving a lot of fastballs up, which tells me that he's not finishing over his front side. So that tends to uh, belie a lower body injury of some kind. All right. So let's say whatever happens over the next couple of weeks and Chapman is, isn't bad. He's not you know giving up two runs every time he goes out, but he's... Um, Still clearly not right. Think about the Chapman of like late July, early August. Should the Yankees keep running him out there as closer? Uh, and will they keep running him out there as closer? I guess it's a separate option. And if if you think that they should replace him, um, what is Chapman's role in this team heading into the playoffs? Uh, Paul? You well, the answer... the Okay, beautiful. Thank you. you uh, I think the answer is if he's pitching like he has been doing in recent weeks, he cannot be your closer. Every game counts. Um, they're in a heated pennant race. They're trying to catch the Red Sox. They've only got a couple games up in the wild card. And, you know, there has to come a point in time when you say we're going with our best pitchers, and it's obviously not you. Yeah, I agree with Paul on that one. I actually think the time is coming where they need to consider a switch. I think for right now, the Yankees should try to figure out if Chapman's A, healthy. So if he's healthy, stick him in the bullpen and give him some lower leverage outings just to see if he can straighten himself out, get his pitch mix right. If he's not healthy, get him on the DL and you know allow him to help the team once he's healthy. Because right now, a... Chapman at something less than 100% isn't helping the team. I mean, I agree with that entirely. This is a guy who went to Game 7 of the World Series last year, was used heavily in the playoffs, um, you know, isn't a spring chicken anymore, even though he's, he's you know, he's, you know, 29 and a half years old. Um, you know, I, I think that the Yankees at some point have to be thinking long term. And if Chapman isn't going to be useful this season or doesn't provide them a real large advantage over all the other guys in their roster, I don't think it's a terrible idea to sit him for the rest of the season and just say, look, like, like you have been overworked. Let's get your arm right and let's get you in for the next four years of your massive contract or five years of your massive contract, whatever it is. And, and, let's, you know, and, and hopefully you come back with a little bit of fountain of youth. Yeah, I don't necessarily know what the length of time that he needs to sit is. I think you'd be pretty surprised at what just two weeks will do for a guy who's used to pitching every day, give or take. So I think even, say, two or three weeks could do a lot of good for Chapman, help him re-energize a little bit, get healthy, get the arm loose again, give him a couple of rehab outings. I think even if he's not hurt, a phantom DL stint wouldn't be surprising, and I think it may be the right thing to do. Yeah, you know, I think that uh, he came back from injury and the Yankees were desperate for a reliever. I mean, in, in, in early June, it was like Dylan Patances running on fumes and, you know, like Chaz, like Chaz and Shreve, or Chase Shreve, you know, Chaz and Shreve, Shreve I don't want my mind blank there, uh, who's just not good as, as your bullpen, right? Um, and, you know, they brought him back early and he, he I, don't, I believe I've read stories that he wasn't 100% healthy and he just hasn't been the same since, which I think also just kind of proves that it's stupid to bring people back early uh, when they're not 100% healthy to play baseball. Um, and so, 
you know, at that point, I think you have to start kind of looking at it as, you know, he hasn't been right for a long time. Now, he wasn't great. Actually, no, I'm, not, I'm, I'm looking at his charts right now. He was actually really good in up until basically that injury. And then he gets injured, and it just it just falls apart from there. So, yeah, so I'm now I'm, I'm, I'm live editing myself right here, and I'm saying I don't think he's been healthy for two months. And it may not be a big thing, but it might be a big enough thing so that Chapman isn't uh, isn't himself. Um, but that's about all I've got on Chapman. You guys have anything more to say about Chapman before we move on to uh, to Aaron Judge? No, the only other thing I'd like to add then uh, is the fact that the Yankees do have the long-term investment with Chapman. And so they have to keep in mind two things. One, his health, obviously, and if it's if he's not healthy, it's it's stupid in the short term and the long term to keep running him out there. But secondly, you know, you also have to worry about, you know, how players react to um, demotions and, and things like that. And so if he's not hurt, how do we know that they didn't say to him something like, hey, we're going to put you on the DL, and he said something like, yeah, I really think I can work through this, and I don't want you to do that kind of stuff. That's the behind-the-scenes machinations that sometimes we just don't know what's happening, and, and I wonder if some of that's at play. So I think I'm going to move on, but first some breaking news. Yep. Uh, Gary Sanchez has hit a three-run home run off of Steven, uh, Steven Matz. So take that, New York. Nice. Match. All right. Uh, moving on to, to, to uh, Aaron Judge. Uh, Andy, I'm going to ask you this question. Is Aaron Judge good again I'm actually of the opinion that he's really never been bad even as he went through his slump over the last few weeks uh, well just to backtrack for a second yeah I think he's coming out of that hitting slump that we saw coming out of the all-star game but beyond that the beauty of Aaron Judge I think is that he's not a total zero even when he's slumping at the plate at the end of the day he was still hitting for for some power and on top of that he was getting on base and he plays decent defense, so he's not a total zero. Whereas in years past, if you had Carlos Beltran in right field, if he wasn't hitting, he was a total minus for your team and he was a drain on production. Whereas Aaron Judge, I think, is just a good enough ball player that even when he's not hitting, there's a certain level of stasis that he maintains that allows him to be productive. How concerned are you about the, what, uh, Paul, you know the streak number, the very, very long strikeout in a game streak? I, I think it's 33 now. It's 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 the most absurd statistic I've ever heard. I don't think anybody's ever heard of it until this week or last week. And sometimes I think we make issues out of things that are that are nothing. So, you, so Paul, if you he strikes out every game, but he's going to hit, you're not concerned about his strikeout rate, or it, or you think the streak is just a dumb way to talk about it. I think the streak is just a dumb. Are way you to concerned talk about, about his strikeout rate? Yeah, I, I'm concerned about the fact that he struck out 159 times. But I think going into this season, we saw a guy who struck out 42 times in 27 games last year. We've seen him bring that down. And, and uh, I did read something on a, on, a, on a blog or a post somewhere on the Internet that talked about the areas where the umpires were calling strikes and how that seems to have changed uh, over the course of the season. Balls that were up earlier in the year were called balls, and uh, the last month or so they've been called strikes. Now, that's just somebody's analysis. But when you have a young player who's learning, and he's obviously somebody that takes a while each step of the way to learn the new level, something like that, that could just be one little minor thing, could make him have to go into a period of adjustment. And that's what we might have just gone through, is that period of adjustment as he's refiguring it all out. Andy, what do you think? Yeah, uh, to further Paul's point there, uh, just to ask you guys, 
the player that Aaron Judge passed for the most consecutive games with with a strikeout. He passed Adam Dunn. Do any of us really think that he's Adam Dunn? I mean, that's not <laughs> no. a bad. I mean, no, he could like like prime Adam Dunn. Like I'll take it with better defense. Well, exactly. Offensively, you'll take it, but the but I think exactly with better defense and the ability to base run and basically the ability to play baseball, which late model Adam Dunn just really wasn't. So I think at the end of the day, Aaron Judge is a net positive for the team. But going forward, does the strikeout rate worry me? He's always going to have a strikeout rate that's high above average, just given his size. I realize that we've beaten this like a drum, the idea that, yes, Judge is a large human being. But the reality is, is that creates a ton of strike zone for him to cover. And major league pitchers are just too darn good to not strike him out with some frequency with that size strike zone. However, I think what you've seen is Judge is able to shorten up his swing, and every time pitchers adjust, he adjusts back. So I think that bodes well for Judge's future, and I think given all of those factors, I'm not that worried about the strikeout so I'm rate. A, I'm kind of in between. So I, I'm a little bit worried about the strikeout rate. Um, at some point, we have to kind of think about, like, what is Aaron Judge's long-term profile? Is it somebody who hits the ball so hard that he manages, you know, a, a gigantic home run per fly rate, a BABIP over 380, and um, and he can hit 315 and strike out, for, you know, 35% of the time, no problem. I think that's possible, but, you know, I think that even if Aaron Judge is adjusting to the opposition, um, that he's he has to adjust really well to maintain, like, that kind of production at that kind of strikeout rate. Um, you know, Adam Dunn played. Adam Dunn was a strikeout king, and he he had lots. He, you know, he had lots of very very good years, but he also had some stinker years, uh, or years where just he wasn't. You know, he wasn't an elite level performer. And I, I like Judge to be an MVP candidate every year. You know, for the next five years, and I'm not sure you can do that with a 35 percent strikeout rate. I mean, I, I like. I think he's. He's looking like a Chris Davis, or you know, even in a in a worse case scenario, he's looking like a Joey Gallo. And those are fine baseball players, but they aren't the player that is responsible for the Yankees' success this season more than anybody else. And it concerns me. At the same time, I'm going to say that Aaron Judge, Aaron Judge has an OPS over a thousand at the moment, and you know, even if he's going into a slump or has been in a slump and has come out of a slump. Bad players don't tend to have an OPS over a thousand for six months or however long the season's been. So you know, there's definitely something there, and and just because we're in the middle of an adjustment doesn't mean that you know there isn't a bright side kind of coming out there somewhere. Um, I will be keeping an eye on that strikeout rate, but really what I'm keeping an eye on are those like the batted ball numbers. He hit 117 117 mile per hour home run two nights ago. That made me think like, oh okay, like we're back, we're back to pre All Star game. We're good to go. I think Aaron Judge is on track. Well, you know, just to go back to Adam Dunn, I'm just looking at his career statistics. His greatest OPS was a .956. So Aaron Judge, after going through a terrible month or so, uh, as you said, his OPS is over one. And Adam Dunn never had that number in, in any season. And in three different seasons, he actually received MVP votes and uh, was an all-star twice. So he is he defensively he's head and shoulders, 
but even offensively, in his first full season, he's doing better than Dunn ever did if you look just at OPS. Yeah, fun fact, looking at Adam Dunn's player page, anyone want to guess without looking at it what his his highest negative defensive war in one season was? Or worst worst defensive war? Uh, negative 3.3. Yeah. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so he was a... Was that a season in which he played left field out of curiosity? Uh, and in 2009, he played... Uh, he played a combination of outfield and first base. Uh, so left field and okay. first base yep. and a little bit of right field. Yeah. If I remember correctly, he was like a third baseman too coming out of high school or something like that. But yeah. Yeah, coming out of uh, coming out of high school, I think he was a third baseman. The, the Reds moved him to left field relatively immediately. I don't think he played that much third base, if at all, I mean, in the majors. I tell you, if, if you look at Adam Dunn and you look at Aaron Judge, like Aaron Judge is a more athletic person than Adam Dunn. I mean, I think it's obvious. I mean, Adam Dunn was like a fat guy basically at one point, um, or just a really, really big body. Whereas you know, Aaron Judge is a big guy, but he, at no point does he ever look fat. He, he doesn't look like he's overweight. He's he looks like he's pure muscle and and scary, um, uh, in the best possible way because he's the nicest person in the world. Um, Absolutely. Here, here, I'll give you sure. one other crazy stat. He never played third base in the major leagues, but he did pitch <laughs> once. He went one inning. Pay to see that. <laughs> well, that could have only helped his war, right? I guess so. Yeah, he had a zero ERA. Uh, <laughs> I don't think he gave up any hits. He didn't get any strikeouts either. But someday I'll have to do some research on that one inning he All pitched. Right. So, uh, so that's Aaron Judge. Uh, so I want to move on to one last segment that we're talk- uh, we want to talk about. So on Saturday I wrote an article, which you might, many people have missed because I wrote it on Saturday, uh, about – the September call-ups. And I kind of asked this question about Chance Adams and is Chance Adams going to be coming up? And I, I kind of had a thought while I was writing this that the Yankees are about to get killed in the Rule 5 draft um, in this upcoming, uh, upcoming offseason. Um, so if you guys don't know, the way the Rule 5 drafts work, works is that if you hold a player in your farm system and the criteria changes depending on a player for X number of years... Um, you have to either add that player to the 40-man roster or you have to um, – or other teams get a chance to bring him up to the majors. And the Yankees have a ton of players who they're going to have to protect. They're going to have to protect Domingo Acevedo, Alberto Abreu, Thyro Estrada. They're, they're probably going to want to protect some of like Billy McKinney, Jay Cave, Mike Ford, J.P. Firestin, Stephen Tarpley, who's having a really great season. I think Glaber Torres might be eligible. I'm getting kind of mixed signals on that. So Glaber Torres, you might have to have to protect. And the Yankees have zero open spots on the 40 man right now. They have they currently have 39 players, but Greg Bird is going to become number 40 pretty soon. So Chance Adams is unique amongst Yankee prospects in the high minors right now in that he is not Rule Five eligible. And the theory that I posited in this post, which I will likely create in. Uh, uh, make it a little bit longer sometime soon is that Chance Adams was not called up, has not been called up, not just because he's not, like, his development isn't finished but that the Yankees uh, he's not Rule 5 eligible and the Yankees don't want to have to expose some other kind of player if they call up Chance Adams. Two questions for you. One, am I crazy? And two, I mean, is this something that is this something that would actually that is actually affecting the Yankees' decision making? And two, is it the right decision for them to make? So i I think that's an interesting point, DJ. I do agree that 
40-man roster crunch is absolutely affecting the Yankees' thinking on this matter. I think there's no question but that in some capacity, Chase Adams, Chance Adams rather, can help the ball club. However, I think it's important not to discount the development piece. I, I've read a couple of pieces over at Fangraphs and in a couple of other places around that state recent scouting trips to look at Chance Adams show that he's still struggling with his command within the strike zone and that none of his off-speed pitches are true put-away pitches at the major league level yet. And I know that there are long-standing scouting concerns regarding his fastball plane, just given that his, given Chance Adams really isn't that tall. I believe he's listed at six foot flat and may actually be a little shorter than that. So I think there are enough concerns from a scouting perspective to leave him at AAA for the time being. From the Yankees' perspective... Does the 40-man roster crunch matter? Yes, but I think development outweighs that given the fact the Yankees are taking the long-term view with a lot of their prospects. And at this point, the Yankees have so much pitching in the bullpen. The real question is, is Chance Adams better than Jaime Garcia and is he better than Jordan Montgomery? I think is that's he better than Jaime with. Garcia or Jordan Montgomery? You think he is? Yeah. I think he's better than Jaime Garcia. <laughs> Uh, in my personal opinion, I, I want to see Chance Adams. I, I at least want to see him get a shot. And I think it makes a lot more sense to have a guy like Chance Adams who has experience relieving, who has experience starting. I think it makes a lot of sense to have a guy like that on your big league club, particularly since he's stretched out. And Jaime Garcia at this point, uh, he really seems to be gutting it out every game. I, I don't really see a lot of stuff. I see a lot of battling, which is uh, commendable but I don't see how he's better than Chance Adams right now. Yeah, I'm now. totally with you there. I mean, I think that um, uh, I think that September is the time to kind of make that determination that uh, the Yankees probably are going to be completely healthy by September, and so you actually will have a Montgomery versus Garcia debate happening again, you know, and that, that died down after about a day and a half but uh, because we had like three injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, you still um, – they might not have to kind of make that decision. I think it's I, I think it's fairly clear that Adams isn't much better, if, if better at all, than Jordan Montgomery, who I think right now is your fourth best starter on this team um, and maybe fifth best starter, depending on how you think about, about uh, CC Sabathia. Um, so, yeah, that's kind of where I am is that I don't think the Yankee – I think the time to call Chance Adams up was like June. But now that they've added Gray and Garcia and – uh, everybody's healthy and, and, and Tanaka's pitching well. I don't. I'm not too concerned that, that about Adams. Um, do you think so? Let's let's say let's say starting pitching is off the table. Do you think let's say they've he's pitched about the same the amount of innings they want him to pitch. He's pitched in the AAA playoffs. He's pitching about the same as he's pitching right now. Would you absent 40 man roster concerns, call him up in September and try him out in the bullpen and see what happens. Yeah, I think it makes a lot of sense to see what he's got against major league hitters in any capacity. I think any time that you can bring a starter up, even in a relief role, just to see how his stuff plays against major league hitting is a net positive, both from a scouting perspective and from the player's perspective. At that point, the player gets to see, here's how my stuff plays and here's what I need to work on. So it's tangible proof for a player who really needs a feel for how to pitch against major league hitting. I think yeah, it makes so a lot I'm totally of sense. with you there, right? Like it, one is his stuff might play up out of the bullpen. And you know, Chance Adams still might be a long-term reliever at this point. I mean, he was a relief pitcher conversion 
only two years ago, and he's been lights out since he was converted to starting. But still, um, that still could be, especially given his size, his, his long-term position. And I think the Yankees could really benefit from him in, in the playoffs. I mean, in the playoffs, you're not going to want to pitch Jordan Montgomery and Lord knows Jaime Garcia and CeCe Sabathia and you know maybe even Tanaka a third time through the order. And if you have a bullpen of like six or seven guys who are all lights out, and right now they have like five then I, you know, then you can you can start talking about lifting a guy in the fourth inning in like game three of the ALCS and not really being all the concerned about killing your bullpen. And if Chance Adams is the guy who comes in and pitches like you know twenty pitches and you know, in an inning and a half, you know from four to, to six, that's I'm good with that, right? I am I think that's a um, that that's a way to win the World Series. It's essentially how the the Cleveland Indians got to Game Seven last year by riding their like two and a half starting pitching and deep bullpen to, to the playoffs. And you don't know, you, there's no way to know that if you have that guy until you, until you pitch him. I don't think I wouldn't do it until after he basically hits, you know, close to his innings cap or whatever, however many innings they're aiming for. Um, but you know, I, I see no, no reason at all not to, not to bring him in. And I don't think the 40 man roster issue should prevent that from happening. The Yankees have a lot of kind of interesting guys in the 40-man roster, like the Ronald Herreras of the world and the Jeffrey Ramirez's of the world and, and all of that. And they're fine. Like, they're okay. Chase Chase, Chase and Shreve is, I think, on the 40-man still, or maybe not. I don't know. You know, these guys are okay. Caleb Smith is okay. But they're not going to win your World Series, and you're not really going to miss them if somebody claims them off of waivers. And I just think the Yankees should start taking that risk. Like, you know, let's get rid of the replacement-level players. So I think here's a question for you, EJ. I, I know how I feel about this one, but would you consider Chance Adams one of the 13 best pitchers in the Yankee yes. organization right now? Yeah, I, I agree with that. So I think – I actually think it would behoove the Yankees to see what he looks like now in August in a pennant race for two reasons. Number one, you've got to get him onto the 40-man roster prior to September in order to make him eligible for the playoffs. So that's number one. But number two, I think to see how he pitches under the pressure of a, of a pennant race would show a lot in terms of what Chance Adams is capable of moving forward. Whether you pitch him out of the pen or whether you pitch him out of the rotation, you get to try him out in maybe a couple of different roles just given the composition of the staff right now. And I think there's a lot of value in that both for Chase, Chance Adams totally, and the Yankees. Totally agree. All right. Paul, Andy, anything else for the order? No, I think you guys nailed the Chance Adams thing. I didn't even have anything to offer because Paul, you had all the right answers. It was your idea, so that you get to claim credit for the whole thing. All right, guys, thank you very much. Everybody, thank <laughs> you for listening. We'll be back next week. This has been your It's About the Money podcast. At Jared, we know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted. At Jared, 
We know devotion isn't a once a year occasion. And once the flowers have wilted and the chocolates have disappeared, you'll still want them to know how much you care. Dare to give a gift that lasts this Valentine's Day with our incredible selection of jewelry. From delicate rose gold to bold black diamonds, Jared has hundreds of pieces under $299 and exclusive collections you won't find anywhere else. Shop online or find a store near you at jared.com and dare to be devoted.